0: Welcome to the Mwango Capital Podcast. At Mwango Capital, we aggregate uh, key information on African capital markets through Twitter, Telegram, and our weekly newsletter called The Baobab. We also hold weekly discussions every Friday on topical issues on African capital markets, and we also engage in analysis and research and training. We look forward to another engaging conversation on our Twitter spaces, Uh, so join us there every Friday so that we can keep having quality conversations on African capital markets. Without further ado, welcome to today's conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our Twitter space. My name is Eric Mokaya. I'm the founder of Mongo Capitals. We try to have really, uh, quality conversations every Friday and every week about marketing. The last like month or so, one of the things that we've been paying very close attention to is the IPO for MTN Uganda. We have our two speakers here today. I'll let them introduce themselves and then we dive uh, right into the IPO. The structure of the conversation today will be very simple. We'll start with a few questions to the speakers, which will be mostly directed by me and my co-host uh, Eric, who's going to join a little later. And then uh, after that, we will invite members of the public to ask questions. We may not let everyone come to speak, just to have us a, a bit of control over the conversation. So the best would be look at our pinned tweet, and then below it, you can uh, post your questions. The main aim of today is just to understand MTN, uh, Uganda, what the company is, what its structure is, the business model, the financials, just dive right into it, and then to understand how we can also participate in this as East Africans. Without much further ado, I'm going to invite our speakers to introduce themselves. We start with Paul. Tell us a bit about yourself, what you do uh,
1: day to day, and then I'll go to the next speaker. Thank you, Eric. Good evening to everybody online. It is a pleasure to engage you on a Friday evening. We do not take it for granted that you have agreed to spend some time with us on a Friday. It's much appreciated. My name is Paul Muganwa. I work with Standbank Bank Uganda slash SBG Securities. I head up the investment banking unit here. And so my day-to-day work is helping our clients find solutions in the capital markets and the private equity space, and also with long-term debt and project finance. I am here in the capacity of both a transaction advisor and receiving. We've supported MTN through this process, and we are very encouraged to see a lot of interest and a lot of appetite coming out of Kenya. Eric, back to you. Thank you so much. We'll also get to understand
0: the role of uh, such players like you in an IPO. It's very nice that you joined us today. So straight to your team, because you're the man of the moment. Maybe you can tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. And for those who don't know you, what your journey has been to MTNU. Thank you. Good evening to to
2: everybody online. It's a great honor, as Paul says, that you've taken the time to join us uh, on a Friday evening. My name is uh, originally from Belgium. But I've been on, on the continent and in telecoms for, for more than 23 years now. Since 1998, I was formerly a CEO of MTN in uh, Ivory Coast. Uh, and I also worked in Telco, in Senegal, Gabon, Chad, and DRC, and Zimbabwe. So I've been around. But for the last five years now, the CEO of MTN Uganda. And yeah, it's my first IPO. It's a very exciting uh, journey. It uh, looks very easy on paper until you get started and becomes a a real full-time job. Currently, I'm calling in from Upcountry in, in Uganda because I'm finishing uh, Upcountry Roadshow. Myself together with uh, 10 of my colleagues we have gone around for the last two weeks the whole of Uganda, I was in the eastern region, I crossed uh, the Kenya border a few times or very close, so I was in the eastern part of, of Uganda for the last uh, 11 days on roadshows, going from town to time, explaining what the IPO, the MTN IPO is all about. So it has been uh, an exciting journey in terms of engaging with uh, with potential investors. And of course, they also remain always your customers. Yeah, it was very exciting. And we still have another two and a half weeks to go until we close the offer. And on Monday and Tuesday, together with Andrew Wigembe, my CFO, we will also be uh, in Nairobi for further engagements with East African Kenyan investors in particular. Over to you. Looking forward to seeing
0: you in Nairobi. A few of the people I know are waiting to hear from you directly. I know like an IPO process is such a taxing process. So I'll start with Paul who can kindly explain to us what an IPO is normally and what the process they go through with their clients in terms of how do you go from a company being not listed to being listed and has the journey been for
1: MTN Uganda, Paul? Thank you. I'll start with the acronym and what it means. IPO, Initial Public Offering simply means that a company is taking its shares and usually it's in the form of ordinary shares from private ownership onto an exchange either the uganda securities exchange or the nairobi securities exchange whichever exchange is being nominated and is offering these shares to the public to participate there's quite robust criteria that the company needs to attain to qualify to list I, i won't dive into that detail but i can just broadly speak about what critical considerations they are one is corporate governance the second is financial performance and and third the stability of the business the sector that the business is participating in this criteria has been created and is enshrined in law the body that looks after and ensures that this criteria is met and sustained is the capital markets authority in this particular case it is the CMA of Uganda But there's very close collaboration between the capital markets authorities in East Africa. And so you find that the standards are very similar. The CMA is there to ensure uh, that investors are protected. And that's why an IPO is an interesting path to to pursue for a company because um, it's access to capital. But more importantly, it's a a format that allows for investors to participate with a significant amount of transparency and with embedded protections for minorities. The IPO is the first step in a company commencing its uh, existence on the securities exchange. It usually is uh, for a defined period of time for this particular offer. The IPO opened on the 11th of October, and it is going to be open until the 22nd of November. After that, the shares will be listed and people can buy and sell as they wish exchange. maybe a bit of color on the offer terms, MTN is floating up to 20%. That represents 4.5 billion shares, and those shares are available for the Ugandans, for East Africans, and for foreign investors. However, there is an allocation policy that we can talk about later that dictates how those shares are allocated. So, Eric, I think that's a brief summary. You can engage in the rest as we continue.
0: All right, I'll invite Eric Maina, my co-host, to ask uh, a question to the CEO.
3: Thank you, Eric, and thanks to the panelists as well. Uh, A question to the CEO, for someone who's hearing about the MTN Uganda IPO for the first time, or about the company itself for the first time? Would you give us a brief uh, sketch of the history of uh, MTN Uganda and highlighting key milestones of the company over time and why it's taking up an IPO at this particular moment? Thanks Eric, pleasure let me start with a little bit of history.
2: Yeah. MTN Uganda was incorporated in 1998. So that's exactly 23 years ago, October 1998. And in 98, we started with a SNO and o license, the second national operator license, which means that there were already existing players. There was a uh, UTL was already there, Uganda Telecom. And then there was a company called Celtel, which I think uh, Kenya audience must be familiar with, because later on it became Zane and then Airtel. We actually were the third entrant in the market and we won a international bidding process for the award of the SNO or the second national operator license. So there was international competitive bidding and MTN won that bid and entered uh, the market in, in, in 1998. We managed to achieve our three-year business plan within the first uh, nine months. Probably the business plan wasn't ambitious enough, or we really very much underestimated the potential of the market. But um, what I'm saying is that uh, from the very beginning, MTN quickly overtook its two competitors and became within six months uh, the market leader. And uh, we haven't given up that position ever since. Currently, uh, we have 15.7 million subscribers. One out of three is also an active data subscriber. And about two out of three, nine and a half million, are also MOBA Money subscribers. Over the last 23 years, we've grown. We're still number one. We have about 55% market share. It's pretty much a two-horse race uh, in the Uganda market. There is Airtel 45 and MTN roughly 55. So it is quite competitive, huh? It's a competitive market. I think it's a bit different from across the border, where one player is much bigger than the second player, but it also comes with its own challenges, huh? that, that, that kind of market positioning. We've all been the first in innovation, 3G, 4G. We also did some trials on 5G early in 2020 sorry and we also lost mo- mobile money uh, as the first in uganda in 2009 2010 quickly after of course in kenya and pesa was launched we were one of the first to copy and and paste with pride and sometimes you don't need to reinvent the wheel just need to adjust it and adapt it and also implement it so yeah that's MTN uganda in a nutshell maybe just for the sake of, of comparison uh, to put context We like comparing ourselves, you know, with our big uh, Safaricom neighbor across. But of course, we are not playing exactly in the same kind of dimension. Roughly speaking, you know, rule of thumb, you can roughly say that that the Safaricom is about five to six times uh, the size of MTN Uganda when it comes to revenue, uh, profit margins, kind of profit, kind of basic High-level financial KPIs is roughly five to six times uh, the size of MTN Uganda. But of course, we are close. There's a lot of overflow. There's a lot of best practice, uh, a lot of subcontractors and products and services that are being launched in Kenya within weeks or months. We are also launching them or sometimes vice versa. I think it's a privilege. It's an asset for us. To be so close across the border and see what is happening there, especially when it comes to the M story. And as I say, sometimes you don't need to reinvent everything. We work with the NCBA, which is the same bank as Safaricom works with. We have other partnerships, uh, like I think the audience must be quite familiar with MCOPA for device financing. But there's a lot of advantages of being just across the border and having a, a solid company somehow as a reference point that guides you somehow you know where we are going of course we have our own strategy the market is different the regulators are different but as an industry I think a lot of things are happening in the same way in Uganda as they would already be happening or would be happening in Kenya the markets are similar not at all the same but they are similar so it is an advantage to be on this side of the border and we get uh, some good learnings uh, <clears throat> from what is happening on the other side. In a nutshell, that is the quick story of MTN Uganda. At this point, I also would uh, welcome our uh, speakers. I think Andrea Laround also.
0: Thank you so much for joining us and also from Stan, because, Uh These are the lead stockbrokers for this. Uh, they also get a chance later to introduce and talk about this. I think we started digging a little bit deeper into the company and we you can tell us a bit more about the business model. How do you make money as MTN Uganda? And then how do you position yourself so that you can be able to beat the competition? And like, if you can share a few strategies that have helped you, of course, stay ahead of the game and go to the top of the market share and still remain
2: there these many years later. Sure. Our key strategic, you know. Ambition uh, is always to remain the number one when it comes to the NPS, the Net Promoter Score. Within the MTN group, we are very passionate about that. And the way you deliver on number one in terms of the NPS is first to build the best network. Network is key investment in coverage, in data capacity speeds, you cannot compromise on on investing in the network. We remain a technology company. The network, the quality, the size, the coverage, the capacity, that is your foundation of success. We always try to remain Uh, The number one when it comes to network experience, for us, there's no compromise on that. And of course, that requires investment, continuous investment. We have CAPEX, 15... roughly of revenue every year that we are reinvesting. We believe that the foundation of future growth is to continue investing in network. And secondly, the NPS is also driven by value. What value do customers get? It's not necessarily just about the price. What we try to do is not to enter into destructive price wars uh, because ultimately in the long term, if you're in a two-player market and you go into a price war, all operators or both operators in the long term lose money by going below cost or going to extremely crazy kind of value propositions that, that derode value. We try to remain a value player, not necessarily always the cheapest, but we try to give back the best value for money value for money. So we do loyalty points. It's similar to these, I think what is called Bonga points in in, in Safaricom. We also have a similar program. We give back to most loyal customers. We have segmented bundles. So the top line bundle uh, might be 5% more expensive uh, than our competitor, but below the line, in terms of segmentation, we can attack certain segments, certain customers with very attractive bundles that are only visible to them and are not visible to the open market. So we try to, would I say, remain rational In our competitive fight, and I must say our our friends on the other side, they have also become much more rational because they they have 40, 45% market share. They also have a bottom line now. I I think their behavior in some other markets was a bit more disruptive, was a bit more race to the bottom and we attack (laughs) on price, price, price. Their behavior in, in, in the Uganda market is much more rational because I think they have a very healthy market share. They have a bottom line now that is also positive. They're also under pressure not to do anything crazy that uh, would derail the shareholder value for everybody in the market, you know, by just uh, lowering price to ridiculous levels. And then uh, quality goes down and, and your revenue line and your bottom line uh, even more goes down. So that is all the voice and data. Uh, I think that the the key message here is NPS through network investment and through fair, good, best value for money uh, that we give to customers. Then on the mobile money side, we are 60-40 roughly. (laughs) So on the telco side, we are about 55-45 market share, But on the mobile money side, we are a bit higher, 60-40. So what we are doing on the mobile money side is really moving away from the traditional Cash in, transfer, cash out, you know, the basics of mobile money, which is really money transfer. So we are moving away from that, building an ecosystem to promote payments like uh, the Lipana and Pesa. Uh, we have a similar product. It's called MomoPay. It's not yet at the same stage or at the same maturity. Uh, As on your side, but we know where we're heading and we're building that ecosystem, onboarding all those merchants so that you can use your mobile money line to do payments everywhere and every shop in every town and every village. That is very big on our agenda. One of the top key strategic uh, uh, initiatives is to build the mobile money payment merchant ecosystem. And then little by little, we're also getting more and more into banking services, loans saving products, insurance products. So always in partnership with the banks because we also don't have a license that allows us to do all of those banking services directly on our own. But with the partnership of of those banks, we do now compete, I would say, at a reasonable level with some of the banks on basic products of overdraft. Like you have that product, what is called the Foliza. We're just launching a similar kind of product with a Momo overdraft, we call it. So a small overdraft that you give to customers to be able to finish a payment. Uh, so yeah, on, on the mobile money side, it's it's really about the uh, payments and uh, bank tech, uh, fintech services that we are developing. Thank you.
0: I wanted to ask Paul now to give us a little picture of Uganda and how the market there looks like generally, especially those people are from outside Uganda. Maybe a bad
1: eye overview of Uganda for someone who doesn't know. Thanks, Eric. I, I will not dare to speak about uh, the telecom sector. I think women's is- better placed, but I I can take it one step higher and just talk about the country. So Uganda is a very interesting place. One, we've weathered COVID relatively well. The official statistics from Bank of Uganda indicated that we actually grew last year by 3.3%, which was decent growth considering the circumstances we were in. We had two very hard lockdowns in aggregate for about five to six months, and that really affected economic activity, but the country has uh, demonstrated a degree of robustness that was surprising. And when you dig a bit deeper to understand what are these drivers of of robustness? The first critical one is a relatively well-diversified economy, right? And I'm talking quite broadly when I highlight diversity, the mix of services, manufacturing, and agriculture. Now, agriculture is the largest employer in Uganda. It employs over 70% of the population. And this is also reflected in our demographics. Urbanization rates are the lowest in Uganda of all the East African countries. So a significant dependency on agriculture for employment. And agriculture has actually done quite well over the last 24 to 18 months. And so that provided a bit of a buffer. Number two, manufacturing has traditionally been a very small sector in Uganda, but it's increasing. Last year, I believe it grew about 15%. And that's because of import substitution. That's also because of a, a, a development in the sophistication of the local corporates that are involved in this manufacturing. There's also quite a bit of foreign direct investment in specific sectors like building materials. We've seen quite a bit of Chinese money come into the country. So those developments in manufacturing really provided a buffer. Lastly, services and the biggest contributors there are the telecoms and banks. They are one of the largest employers in the country and the largest contributors to the fiscal pass in the form of tax. And those two large contributors also weathered the storm pretty well. As a country, I think we've done relatively well. Over and above GDP growth, there's been a decent amount of stability. Our currency has actually appreciated year to date between 1.5 and 2.5%. And it's sustainable appreciation. It's change in the characteristics of our capital, that current account, a lot of FDI coming into the country as a result of oil and gas. So, so that current instability has helped with inflation. It's also helped with interest rates. So very stable, benign environment, but I don't want to overstate the strength of the economy. Like any economy, COVID has been challenging and there are many small businesses that are struggling. So economy is robust, economy has done relatively well, but there's still inherent weaknesses and still quite a lot of work to do. The other major thing that I think is worth highlighting, I touched on slightly, is the demographics. We will dive into this when he gives some context on growth, but we have amazing demographics. Young population growing, the transition uh, into adulthood is amazing. I think it's like a million people every year. And this presents a very good foundation for consumer businesses. Yeah. And then there's uh, always an interesting topic of our politics. We do have some interesting spikes in activity around uh, the political season, but if you're looking over uh, a long horizon, 20, 30 years, the country has been relatively stable that provides a very good basis for investment and sustainable. Back to you, Eric. All right.
0: I wanted to maybe follow up on on that. And then after you, I'll ask the two new speakers to tell us a bit about themselves. Maybe you can tell us what exactly is your role, Paul, in this IPO process? And then how has the experience been? And how does this uh, maybe compare to past experiences with IPOs uh, in this area?
1: That's an interesting question, Eric. Taking a company to the public markets Mm -hmm. is a, a very engaging process. And there's a multitude of advisors. We have played the role of transaction advisor, and that's really Supporting MTN kind of navigate the nuances of the process, engaging the regulators, preparing the company to go public in terms of the information requirements, the governance requirements, and and building a strategy together to ensure that this is a success. But over and above that, there are many other advisors that add a significant amount of value. One is the, the legal advisors, SNL, which is a local legal company, the brokers who play an important sales, marketing, and strategic role. They are essentially the interface with uh, the investing community. And they are both Dan Blair and SBG Securities will give you some more context. I see that both of them are online and they have very important inputs into strategically how we approach the offer. The experiences so far, I mean, working with MTN is a pleasure for a couple of reasons. One, MTN is a large company and there's a lot of things well-seasoned and uh, well-established processes, procedures, standards, and most importantly, individuals that have an appreciation for this type of process and that add a lot of value and make a, a transactional advisor's work a little easier. Secondly, it's a relatively bold company when it comes to innovation. This IPO is, I think we can argue, truly the first electronic or digital IPO where most application processes can be completed online. It was a bold step by MTN to do this in the middle of COVID and to do this for the first time in the region. So fantastic company from an innovation business. And we continue to enjoy working with them. They're flexible, they're quick on their feet, and they're very open. And I think the market will begin to experience all these strengths as they participate in MTN lists. That's your
0: All right, I think it's good also to hear from the other two players in this, especially those who are heavily engaged in marketing the IPO in Kenya. I want to welcome Greg from SPG Securities and then also there's someone from Diane Blair. So Greg, you can start by telling us who you are and what you do and what your role is in the
4: MTN Uganda IPO Thanks Eric, good evening. It's an absolute pleasure to participate um, in this discussion. Thanks again for, for your accommodations. For introduction, my name is Gregory Waweru. I'm the head of SBG Securities in Kenya, and we are together and alongside Dan Blair, the authorized selling agents from a cross-border standpoint. My role, and, and particularly in this IPO, is essentially to assist MTN and our sister company, which is SBG Securities Uganda, in designing and implementing a marketing strategy on the distribution of the MTN IPO into the Kenyan investor base. One thing I think is critical to mention is that this is actually a precedent setting moment because we have actually managed to seek approval and obtain approval from the Capital Markets Authority in Kenya to actually market a cross-border offering within a structured framework that we are going to facilitate seamlessly for investors in Kenya to be able to participate meaningfully in a cross-border offering. That's my role in a nutshell for this IPO. For me personally, for those who haven't met me, I've been head of SBG Securities, been with SBG and the broader Standard Bank Group for a couple of years now, nine years uh, in the making. And essentially, this is something I'm very passionate about, bringing remarkable transactions particularly to market, expanding the investable universe and assets where investors in Kenya can participate. I hope that's a good enough introduction, Eric, of back background you. I think later we'll also give
0: details on how people can actually buy the shares for the IPL and maybe you can prepare on that. Uh, Diane Blair, also in the house, so tell us a bit uh, about uh, your role in the process and uh, a little bit of history on Diane Blair and maybe involvement in IPOs. Uh, I didn't ask SPG, but maybe later we'll ask them the same. From Daya and Blair,
5: it's great to have everyone uh, on this speak more and also evaluate this and chain IPO. I I do agree with the speakers that have spoken before, Wim, Greg, uh, and also Paul that this is uh, actually IPO. For the first time uh, we have this cross border operate, whereby the Kenyan investors have been given an opportunity to participate uh, in the IPO. Daya and Blair and IPOs, we are well-known. or having guided several companies just to come to market, Wim has spoken about Safaricom and also now the similarity of the product offering that MTN IPO is giving to investors uh, to and also who or who they are doing currently in the market. And uh, then Blair guided Safaricom in IPO, and we have been tasked uh, by MTN uh, to offer or not to market the products to Kenyan vessels. Also, to Ugandan investors, do our and they are to guide and give operational guidance to vessels. I do agree with Paul that this being the first, I feel that being done online, it's a very seamless process, very easy process, a very exciting process for five, Five, ten minutes you have opened your, your cross border account and you can invest in the, uh, in the shelf. Uh, it's quite a great offering for us. Uh, we do look uh, forward to guiding. Uh, I think we'll come later to speak more about the operational processes and also how investors can participate uh, in the
3: IPO. All right. Uh, we'll come back to you. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot uh, for that. I'll go back to Wim now with a question on, on the current IPO. Just to give us an understanding, what is the current ownership structure of MTN? And what led to the sale of the 20% stake that you're currently IPOing for? And in addition to this, is the intention to list there and The rest of the the 80% remaining stake of MTN Uganda.
2: Okay, thanks uh, for the question. Let me take it step by step. Today, MTN Uganda is owned by MTN International for about 96% and 4% is held by Mr. Mbire, a Ugandan national. So 96 and 4. So it is MTN International that is selling 20% of its shares to the general public, and then will reduce from 96 to 76, while Mr. Mbire will remain with 4%, and then the general public will have 20%, okay? The total value of the transaction, the 20%, is 895 billion shilling. Uh, Those are Uganda shillings, which is about uh, $250 million. So the evaluation, the value of the company is about $1,250,000,000. That's the, the evaluation of the company. And, and that would make it by far uh, the largest of on the USC uh, because the total value of the companies on the USC today stands at about a billion dollars. We would immediately become like more than half of the value of the USC. Okay, something worth uh, mentioning is that we, we are listing for two reasons. The first reason is because it is a license obligation. When we renewed our license about one and a half years ago, we renewed our license for a period of, of 12 years. There were three main conditions for license renewal. There was payment of the license fee up front. Uh, for 12 years, $100 million. We did. The second license obligation is to, to provide national coverage. Now, as such, that is not a problem. It's not really an issue in terms of profitability because as Uganda is such a densely populated country, we're still seeing a lot of growth opportunity, even in rural coverage. So that obligation isn't really uh, a burden to 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 carry it is more of an opportunity and then the third license obligation was the obligation to list now the spirit of that listing obligation was also to localize the, the company to have more local ugandan shareholders that was really the underlying spirit it is like localization to listing that was the spirit of that third uh, obligation and that's where we are now we are fulfilling that but uh, at the same time we look at this really as an opportunity because a company like MTN Uganda the biggest taxpayer in Uganda by far for the last 10 years and also the most profitable company for the last 10 years so such a company only having two shareholders one ninety-six percent from South Africa and and one local businessman four percent, that is not sustainable, that is not healthy, that's not right. So we looked at this and said this listing actually is is a real opportunity for us to to widen our shareholder base. We are aiming at least 50, who knows, maybe a hundred thousand new Ugandan retail investors that would really strengthen the company. We do believe that a company with a wide shareholder base is much stronger. uh, And especially if it's a localized shareholder base is much stronger, much more resistant than a a company, yes, a big company, but only with two shareholders. We looked at this listing obligation and we really turned it into an opportunity to widen that base and to create shared value. At the MTN group, we have that strategic intent, we call it shared value. We have already listed in Ghana, MTN Ghana is listed, MTN Nigeria, Rwanda was also done, and now we're in Uganda. So even without being at the license obligation, we were going to do it anyway, sooner or later, because it's part of the strategic intent of the MTN group to really create shared value through local listings in the different uh, countries that we operate in. I don't want to scare anybody. This is not just about Ugandans. Uh, of course, uh, we are giving some bonus shares if you use your phone uh, to open up your SCD account, if you use your phone via mobile money to pay for your shares. As an MTN Uganda customer, you're getting 10% bonus shares. But we also thought that it would be, you know, in the spirit of the East African Union and really evolving into one marketplace, we also thought that it would be good to give incentives to East African citizens. So every East African is getting 5% bonus shares. Ugandans are getting the same 5%. Plus, if they use MTN uh, mobile money line, then they get the additional five, which makes it 10. But the five, for all individuals also applies for Ugandans, but also for all East African citizens, because we really felt that widening the subscriber base and localizing shouldn't just be limited to, to, to Uganda only. We are in East Africa, we're getting more and more integrated. So we felt that this was a, a good move uh, to make it also a bit more attractive for East Africans to participate uh, in this
0: i okay. a quick follow-up question, especially about the bonus shares. A common question that we've also gotten, like where are the bonus shares coming from? Are they like an issuance from within the company or what's their strategy around them? And are they only
2: no, the oversubscription? Paul, do you want to take that question?
1: Yeah, th- thanks, Lee. The bonus shares are part of um, the issued capital and they are subject to the allocation policy, right? So in the event of an oversubscription, The policy allows for pro-rata allocation that also accommodates the bonus shares. There will not be any issuance of new capital to accommodate the bonus shares. The 4.5 billion shares that are in offer include the bonus shares. Perfectly answered. Now we are halfway through this session. I would
0: encourage if you have questions, you can always go to our pinned tweet, just below it, post your questions. You can send our questions directly to us on DMs. Our DMs are open also. We're also doing a thread on uh, most of the points that the speakers are speaking about. So you can follow a thread if you miss any points. A recording of this uh, event will be available within next week so that you can also maybe follow up on any points and any questions that you have missed. We also found out that there are some companies at the Uganda Stock Exchange, which are cross-listed in Kenya. Has it crossed your mind at some point, maybe to do a cross-listing in Kenya?
2: Yeah, I think that's a very interesting, good question. For the time being, no. It is not yet on our roadmap. We are starting with this 20% on the USC. Let's see how it goes. I don't want to exclude it, that it will never happen, but it is not on the plan for the time being.
0: All right. I wanted to ask us, maybe Dan Blair and, and, and SBD Securities, they can tell us what's the period of offer of these securities? When are they open and when does it close? How do we apply for the shares as maybe people based in Kenya? And I should say, a friend of mine uh, opened an account with SBG today and it was very fast. I think it must be SBG in Uganda. I'm not so sure, but they said Kenyans can learn a lot about the the onboarding process. You can also tell us how you onboard new clients and how they can open accounts uh, for both of you. We'll start with the the umbrella and then uh, SBG. Thank you, Helik.
5: The application process for the IPO is quite simple. It's a very straightforward application. One, everything is done online. So the USC, the Uganda Securities Exchange, has created an online portal for account opening. So for, uh, mostly for the Kenyan investors, uh, I know there are investors, especially uh, family investors who had some big Uganda shares, so they already had existing SCD account. Uh, but there are new crop of investors who don't, did have or had never participated in good market investment. All we need to do is visit USC portal. So FDE is the photo, or USC is the Once you get into the photo, you create an account. The process is for you to create an account. Then they send you a verification link. So you just enter your email address on your username and your password. Then they send you a verification link. Once you've seen the verification link, takes you back to the photo itself. You can log in now using the credentials that you have created and go to the photo and that's the account application process. So for the account application process, trade you need three key things. So for that, Blaine, I've made it very easy for clients and even that's what will be captured on the app platform itself. You need a passport photo or a very good graphic. You need a photo of the front and the back of your, your national ID or the passport. Those are the three key things that you need even before you start uh, dropped. Uh, take very clear photos. I think at this point it's good to note uh, that individuals, for companies, now the normal company you know, requirement, your company registration certificate, your CR12, your position, all those ones have to be certified. But for the individual, you just need to afford a document. You're in your bio file details on the platform. Then also capture the bank details. Uh, I have the bank details. I think that goes to all have said about in case of an of a subscription. Bank details that you capture there, one, extra part or that, why not, uh, if you have not been allotted, that's where the files will be sent back to. That's one. Two, I think at this point it's also good to mention the, and we will speak about the dividend pay policy. Uh, Have quite a very good uh, dividend pay policy. Uh, So that means that uh, with the commitment of what has been happening, looking at the financials in the last few years. And uh, so that means that once you can achieve them, uh, so for those investors looking for a deep diversification of American and stock, then the MTN Uganda IPO has to go for Uganda uh, from this uh, platform. They have done quite a lot of work to capture details of all banks in Kenya. So the Kenyan investor, if you have banking, KCB, SBA, WIM have also said that most of these banks are called regional banks, your INM, or your APSA bank. All these, most of these funds and their branches are captured on the platform. All that you need is to call down and capture your funds and your branch. So making it, best, uh, the process is very simple for you. Yes sir. Then after you capture all your details, should be now to the fact of choosing the broker, uh, your account will be custodied. For DIA Blair. we have a subsidiary DIA so for all our clients, uh, the Evandans STD accounts are uh, custodied, already be held through uh, our DIA and and then Uganda, you choose the size of your uh, So they are listed there. And after that, you now just submit the application. Uh, send it to USC as uh, they do the verification and the account is set up. A very easy process. Within an hour you have received an email with your, you know, your SCD number. And after you receive an email with your SCD number, now you can go ahead to do the application. Once you have CBS SED number and logging back to your uh, uh, Easy Portal, to use the photo, contact these on your top left, The link number on IPOs, current IPOs, choose MTN-IPO, from MTN-IPO, and it's a two-step process, the first process is out of field, even if you captured all your details. second one is on shares, so click on shares, or next click on shares, and you choose the number, uh, you fill in the number of shares you want to apply for. As then I say have given a bonus incentive for all investors. Uh, who invests, that for every hundred shares that you get allocated, then you get high bonus share, so it's a very good incentive. Minimum application are 500 shares from the prospector, and also in batches of quite hard. We so have 500 shares, one of the shares, one of the 500 shares, just feel the number of shares mm-hmm. you want to apply for. For you, payment of the amount you supposed to say 10,000 shares. So that means that's going to share them. Then you just from there at that point now just confirming uh, the terms and conditions and click on application. And after you apply, uh, what you get is get a form which you can download the PDF, uh, which shows the application number and it shows the details of the application. And after that, now you make payment uh, for uh, the employer or so for the clients coming through the employer, which have created uh, the process. We have, and you can get contacts with that, and we did share sharing with our social media platforms and also I uh, will share with you the fact that have a Ugandan account, uh, however, you can create instead the funds to UTX media that have um, the bank. Having a bank account uh, that we can share with you uh, that you make that. And after that, so we do uh, give you a confirmation statement about uh, the receipt of your fad for the IPU. So that generally that's the general application process for uh IPU application. And as only for the 10 minutes and even when it comes to, to you know in case you have any queries, in case you need more data, you will at any point there's an issue in the application process, you can always get in touch with us uh, either through our social platforms or even through our email and the one I have shared, shared that just so, for us to be to be on, on the process. In a nutshell, that's how the application process is. Yeah, so welcome. And I think at this point, I, you know, I can't speak much or can't speak of the company. Wim and Paul has told us more about the company, about Uganda, about the opportunities they are in. When you come to think about it in terms of, of products, portfolio diversification. For a very long period, we have just had one Tesco. And so as an investor, if you are looking to diversifying your portfolio holding. And I think for now as die and Blair, and that's what we have been guiding our our clients to diversify different products across various different sectors. And so Vincent and K IPO gives you as an investor an opportunity uh, to just build on off your portfolio diversification. Then, across you are getting the opportunity to use the telco sector itself, because the, ge- uh, the geography itself, and not just, but you are also getting the opportunity of the growing value. And uh, that is Uganda. And as you have seen on the uh, as the speakers have seen, uh, then is a growing market, a lot of innovation is happening in that market. Kenya, the market here, like, you know, some multiple ahead of the MTN. But if you look at the growth and that's happening in the sector, in the country itself, uh, then then it becomes a very good place to you know adjust investment in them, just to hold extra, you know, to hold shares in, in that sector and also in that country. So Basically, that's what we've been and we are guiding our kind of, uh, intro. So get in touch with us. We'll guide you in the process. Case you have any questions also about what you have and start, case of anything that you want us to guide you on, and
3: we will always be there in touch too. And thank you, Eric. Thanks, thanks a lot for that. Just a few follow-up questions from what you've mentioned, and some of these questions are from people listening in. One is Will the dividends be issued in, in Ugandan shillings and how will the conversion to Kenya shillings work? And what is the withholding tax for dividends that will be issued by MTN to Kenyan? Another question that you can tackle while tackling those ones. What rate will you use to refund money to sub- subscribers in case of an oversubscript fund?
5: For the dividend payment, basically like the taking, bringing the investors back to investor US of We have a very good number of foreign investors. The dividends are paid in or declared in a uh, Kenya shilling. And after that, if a client or invested an investor being paid to let's say Donald, then there is the conversion rate. Uh, so what will uh, happens here is one, the rate uh, never negotiated uh, having a good conversion rate uh, from the Kenya shilling on to the investment currency. And what we hope to do, and this is something that we'll uh, we develop on the, uh, the first phase on the volatile uh, the package of uh never cheated, good rate. Uh, for our clients, and we have always been doing this uh, with clients. So we negotiate with the banks. we have a uh, various arrays of banks that we do work with. Uh, so we don't uh, negotiate good uh, conversion rates from one collector to the other one. So for this one, uh, that we'll, uh, we'll assist clients on as the process continues. Uh, we'll have more details on these, but generally, the evidence is in Uganda shilling. Clients will receive their funds back here in Chile and given the nature of the payments, we will just ensure that clients are not yet getting favorable. This is a conversion that will, clients will... Do.
0: All right. So Greg, you can speak a little bit about the process at your institution, ISPG, on how you help out clients and maybe answer a couple of the other questions, if you have comments on them. Uh, something that has also come in, which you can also speak about, is what's the withholding tax on the dividends like for maybe people from outside the country? Uh,
4: Greg, thank you. I think the process is a broadly the same, given it is a process that has been set out by the Uganda Stock Exchange, whereby you essentially um, have to go to the portal to set up your SED account electronically. And once that is successful, you can subsequently go back in and apply for the MTN shares, IPO shares from the portal. I think that's you fundamentally the process that we are broadly following in terms of a application of shares, a subsequently, and I think what is critical for us is that for clients who existing clients of SBG securities in Kenya, we have a truncated process where once they do that, we will assist and facilitate the cross-border payment, a process where clients can essentially deposit and fund their CDS accounts in Kenya, actually in the CDS Brokerage accounts in Kenya in the usual way, and then we will facilitate the cross-border payments into the main IPO account I- in Uganda. However, clients are also free to to essentially or non-clients of SBG Securities who essentially want us to to assist them in the process can um, also are also free to send money across to the IPO account in Uganda. So that is in a nutshell the process. It is not really dissimilar to what was described earlier, but I think, of course, there are nuances around how we, because we obviously set up differently, how we assist clients and even non-clients who are, who, who I guess also are potential clients to participate in the IPO in a manner. That's the the process in a nutshell. You did ask about the withholding tax. I believe for non-Ugandans, it is 15%. I, I think I said, correct, Paul can probably confirm that later on, but I think to my knowledge, it is a 15% for outside Uganda, for other investors. I think that's the process and the response to your question. Back to you, Eric.
0: All right, now we'll go back to Wim, and then we maybe you can now speak a little bit about the capital allocation thinking at uh, MTN Uganda. How do you distribute what's your intention around uh, dividend payment and maybe investment capex intensity and all these kind of things? I mean, how you think about capital allocation and distribution to investors. Uh, you can also give us a historical perspective on how you've been paying dividends. Maybe also speak a little bit about the people who are coming in. Should they expect some dividends? I know like from reading your prospectus, you pay three times a year. You've already paid twice at the, the interim. So maybe the final dividend, you can speak a bit about it also. So I'll a, a question, but just unpack for
2: us the capital allocation thinking around MTN. Sure. Thanks for that. It's a very important uh, matter for investors, of course, to understand. So as you rightfully say, we have a dividend payout policy of three times a year. There's a first interim dividend around August for the first uh, six months performance of the year. Then around October for the third quarter of the year. And then in March, when we close the books, fully audited result, then we pay out a final dividend. So as you rightfully have said, we have already paid out the first and the second interim dividend. So we will consider of course a final dividend in March and the new shareholders joining will benefit from that final dividend. So far we have paid a 10 shilling dividend per share as we we have paid so far for the first and second interim dividend. So we'll see. The plan for sure is that there will be a final dividend. How big? Of course, I cannot speculate on that at this stage. But the plan definitely is that there will be a final dividend in March. I mean, you can do the maths yourself. Roughly, if the first three quarters have given us 10 shilling dividends, then not the last quarter, uh, could give us uh, a rule of three. And, uh, you will calculate for yourself roughly uh, what that could mean, depending, of course, on the actual performance of the company. But that is just to give you a flavor. In the past, over the past four or five years, our dividend has been growing systematically about 20% year after year. In 2018, for example, we paid out 5.3 shilling dividend per share. Now we have almost like doubled already for the first and second interim, we're almost at double what we paid in 2018 for the full year. So we are on a very healthy growth path when it comes to paying our dividends, at least 20% growth year after year for the last few years. And we have been paying consistently over the last 17 or 16 years dividends. So as early as 2004 or five, we started paying dividends and, and we have never stopped doing so. It shows the profitability and and, and, and the health of, of the company. Of course, you know, telecom requires investment. I would be lying to you if that would not be the case. Telecom requires building network, capacity, coverage. So we do allocate some important portion of our profits uh, uh, back into investment. On average, we have about 15% of revenue that we reinvest in terms of capex, mainly for the network, of course. And that is the the foundation uh, of your future growth. The day you stop investing in a telco industry, in a telco business is the day you stop growing. Okay. of course, coverage, there is a certain limits to the coverage. Once you've covered everything and everybody, okay, that's it. But then you still need to invest in more 4G, start doing 5G, uh, more fiber. So the investment story definitely continues. uh, Although uh, the guidance is that in the latter years, we will probably go down from 15, maybe, you know, 14, 13. But we will definitely stay around that kind of figure between 12 and 15% of revenue. And then the, the, the dividend policy is very clear. We pay out at least a minimum of 60% of the profit. That is the minimum. Of course, subject to certain external factors that could change those dynamics. But the, the, the overall guidance in the policy is at least a 60% dividend payout, which in the past, we, we have always been close to that 60%. In 2020, it was a bit less because we only reached about 48 or 49%, but that was out of caution. 2020 was a difficult year. We just paid our license fee, uh, $100 million. There was corona, there was lockdown. Uh, while we continued investing, we were a bit cautious in terms of paying our dividend last year. And this year, I think we're already at about 70%. So we also did a little bit of a catch-up in 2021 because we held back uh, a bit in in 2020. I hope that gives a good idea of our capital allocation strategy.
0: Yes, uh, that's really good. I'll come back to you. You can uh, maybe prepare on telling us a little bit about your product uh, roadmap going forward, what you want to do at the long-term vision for you at MTN Uganda. That's after... I talked to Paul about the markets in Uganda. How deep are they and how is the liquidity there? So, like if I want to buy and sell the shares, um,
1: once the IPO is done, how does that look like? Thanks, Eric. A very good question <clears throat> and one for potential investors to appreciate. So, I will speak about the Uganda capital markets relative to the Kenya capital markets. First of all, in terms of participants, active SCD accounts are between twenty-five and 35,000 historically. And when we compare this to Kenya, that I believe is in excess of 1.5 million uh, to 2 million, you can appreciate the distinction. So, a relatively nascent and smaller capital markets than Kenya in terms of trading activity. Historically, decent amount of trading activity, especially around meaningful corporate events for listed companies, major exits by existing shareholders, major corporate announcements, drives some activity. But with the advent of COVID, there's really been a significant slowdown and and the market has become relatively liquid. Having said that, like most things in life, it does take a bit of a a trigger and uh, a meaningful event to change the tide. And I think the one thing that Kenyans can relate to is um, the difference Safaricom made to the capital markets in Kenya, really increased participation, brought a whole new so both segment and profile of investors, and then push the sophistication of the market forward significantly. MTN's listing is the equivalent of the SafariCov event for the Kenya capital markets. Why is it the equivalent? Number one, it will be the largest company on the securities exchange. Secondly, it has gone for a very wide and broad investor participation. Wim, as he mentioned, him and his team is spending time in uh, every corner of Uganda, encouraging Ugandans to participate. The deal has been structured in a way that with a hundred thousand shillings, which is just under $30, you can actually participate. That's that's the minimum investment amount and retail investors are very important to drive liquidity, to drive activity in the securities exchange. Institutional investors generally tend to take a, a much longer term view. And consequently, are not as active. Having said that, do see institutions from time to time, especially international institutions, in the market buying and selling, and that's what for a securities exchange you want for there to be activity because that activity reflects the value of the company. Lastly, and this is probably the most important factor to drive liquidity going forward, is the fact that the USC and MTN have partnered to deliver a truly electronic solution. You can. Open up an STD account, buy shares online, trading solution uh, that will really empower investors and will enable brokers to bring the markets to individuals in a very seamless way. So, historically, relatively illiquid, but we really believe that this is going to be a step change for the Uganda Securities Exchange. Back to you.
0: Thank you. I'll go back to Wim. Maybe Wim, you can tell us about your product portfolio roadmap going forward. And there's a question about adoption of 5G and also thinking about, uh, is there a threat from guys like Elon Musk and SpaceX who are deploying the satellites for cheaper productivity, connectivity and internet access in the future? Maybe you can speak to us about the future from your point of view as CEO.
2: Okay, thanks for that. The future, we've spoken about it slightly, of course, the growth we believe is mobile money and mobile data. So I'm not going to repeat all the, the story around the mobile money, the payments, the bank services. Now, in on, on terms of mobile data, actually, it's too limited. It's not just mobile data, but also fixed data. Uh, what we have seen in the lockdown and the work from home is that now there is a real demand People want fixed internet. They want fiber to the home. Okay. We have just started on that journey of bringing fiber to the home. We have like 3,000 homes connected. We have like 1,000 buildings for SME and offices. And and over the last few, let's say five months, maybe since April, May, we have embarked on, on, on an ambitious plan now to really aggressively roll out fiber to the home. Again, I don't want to compare us too much, but uh, Safaricom alone has like 250,000 fiber connections, residences homes connected to fiber connectivity, which of course, uh, we all know if you have three kids at home, one is following the school, the other one is at Netflix and you yourself wants to do a Teams call, that's not going to work anymore eh, on one simple 4G router. The needs for fixed connectivity for fiber is really growing exponentially. And we are tapping into that because we have a a very solid, robust existing fiber footprint, we're bringing fiber to our sites. And as and when we roll out fiber to our sites, you can also look at bringing fiber to the neighbors of the site and along the road. We are very well placed with our fiber footprint to, to bring fiber to thousands and thousands of residences in Kampala and in all the major cities, because We can leverage very easily on our existing fiber footprint. Then something also that we're just getting started is our wholesale business. You know, Uganda, it's landlocked, but at the same time, it's also a big transit country. We have Eastern DRC, South Sudan, Rwanda, even that are even further away from the sea. Again, with our very robust national fiber backbone, we also now starting to offering services into those neighboring countries. Of course, we still have to pass through Kenya to get access to the submarine cable. But that is also a new business line that we have just started to develop together, with like, for example, data center uh, hosting we are looking at partnerships to monetize that assets we have an amazing asset of a data center, state of the art, fully redundant, you name it, but you're just using it for yourself. So those are some of these additional revenue streams that we are tapping in. And then probably even more important uh, is, is, is the alignment with the group Ambition from MTN Group around uh, Ambition 25 and then particularly around platforms. We have launched our own, let's call it the African. We, we like calling it the African WhatsApp. It's called Ayoba. It's also available uh, in Kenya. It's available across the world where we have, you know, developed our own uh, messaging platform, social media platform. It's really picking up. So we are also part of that. Of course, we don't own. It's part of, at the group level, but by promoting these kind of digital services. You also create the need for people to be connected. Having a smartphone is one thing. Being connected to the internet, okay, is fine. But the relevance, why would people want to connect to the internet? Why would I want to spend money on on consuming data? What's the relevance? So that digital lifestyle and the promotion of the digital lifestyle all the way from Kampala city, all the way to the most rural areas, what is the relevance? Why would people want to connect to the internet? If they have a smartphone and they have the network, then what? What are they going to do now? You have to create the demand. You have to create the digital lifestyle. Even deep down rural areas, there are opportunities, you know, with enough innovation and creativity to find The right products and services that are relevant to those people that they also will be using now data services. And to promote all that innovation, we have taken a very deliberate move. We don't believe that inside, just in our own organization, we have all the wisdom and all the creativity and innovation. It's not true. When you've grown like we have grown, you need to open up your platform. So we have a very clear open API strategy. Any inventor, any new product that they want to launch, uh, they can just plug in to the mobile money platform. It's an open API platform very easily. Everybody wants to develop digital services, but how do you monetize? You have a great product. You have a great service. Wonderful. As an inventor, as an entrepreneur, and there are many, just like in Nairobi, we also have a lot of innovation innovation hubs. There's so many young guys and, and, and ladies that develop wonderful things, but they all want the same thing. How do you monetize? And of course, plugging in into the mobile money platform is the perfect way of monetization of your invention or your product or service that you are launching. So opening up the platform, open API, embracing anybody and everybody who comes with new ideas and new product services is a great way to leapfrog the whole innovation uh, path. doing it yourself, uh, you will never manage to catch up. For us, we have our platform. We open it up and we welcome any inventor with a new product or service to plug in and to be able to monetize using the mobile money platform. In a nutshell, that's
3: how we see the future. All right. Thanks, William. I have a question for Paul. For the retail investor and for people who are intending to, to trade, what do the commission look like in Uganda? And are this likely to go down in future? So Eric,
1: just so I clarify, you're asking about secondary trading?
3: Yes. Okay. All right.
1: So for those that are not familiar with the capital markets and the Uganda Securities Exchange, there are no fees applicable to investors participating in the IPO. There'll there'll be no fees charged to receive your application, all costs carried and borne by the issuer. MTA. However. When the shares are listed, which currently is uh, slotted for the 6th of December, and you either want to buy more shares or sell the shares that you got during the IPO, with engagement of your broker, you'll be able to submit an order. And the statutory fees that go to a combination of brokers, the USE, the CMA, and these fees are really designed around sustainability of the industry and the sector. Those fees vary with the quantum of of your trade. And uh, there's a a matrix that your brokers can provide, but it generally tends to be 1% and lower. Higher your trading quantum, the lower the percentage. The commissions are relatively aligned across the region. So if you are participating in the Kenyan markets, they won't be significantly different. And uh, the question as to whether they'll go down going forward, I think volume is an important consideration. Remember, there are, are statutory fees. They are kind of embedded in law and part of the U.S. rules. But of course, with trading activity going up could we'll case to revise them. And the U.S. is primary objective is to maximize trading activity and then the brokers want volumes as well. I can't speak with certainty as to how things will evolve in the future, but it's not irrational should the volumes go up for costs to come down. One way of looking at it today is the larger your investment, the larger your trade, the lower your fees. So invest large. Back to you, Eric.
0: At this point, just I want to ask Wim, um, maybe you can... Tell us a little bit about the split of the money business from the main businesses. What exactly is happening around that? And if investors are investing, are they investing only in the network business
2: and not the money transfer business? Okay. In September last year, government of Uganda, the parliament approved the NPS Act, National Payment System Act. Now, this act... required us as MTN Uganda to do a structural separation of our mobile money business into a separate legal entity now that legal entity the MTN mobile money company uh, is 100% owned by MTN Uganda Limited the listed company that means that if you get your, your in MTN Uganda you automatically also get your same share in the mobile money business and the mobile money uh, company, all the economic uh, and business benefits from the mobile money activity will also flow through to the the shareholders of MDN Uganda Limited, okay? Why did we do that? Okay, for compliance reasons. The mobile money company has its own mobile money license uh, issued by BOU, so we have also now direct oversight by Bank of Uganda on the mobile money activity which adds an additional layer of, of of compliance requirements and to a certain level also complexity. Dealing with a telco uh, li- uh, regulator is not the same. Dealing with the central bank, but again, I think that's more in the interest of minority shareholders to see that now the mobile money activity is is directly supervised and regulated by Bank of Uganda. I think that it should give additional comfort to investors. And as I hinted. To earlier it opens up a, a possible migration or upgrade, uh, maybe one day from the current licenses that we're holding maybe in you know digital banking license uh, or banking license that would allow us now to really get into digital banking products and services more independently without the mandatory partnership with the banks which is still the case now so yeah i, th- I think that given us flavor on your question Yes, I think
3: so. I think Eric has a question now for Dan Bland, SBG Securities. Eric? Thanks, Eric. We have a question from one of the listeners. What is the minimum number of shares or amount one can invest for both the retail uh, individual investor and for the institutional investors? And they're asking, is, there a, uh, is DMB and SPG the only brokers for Kenyans who already have accounts with them in Kenya? We need some sort of clarification on who they will be dealing with if you want to participate in the IPO from Kenya.
5: Okay, sir. Thank you. Eric. On the question on who the client is, the client have an account. Uh, uh, if they have a client as as Kenya, then they want to participate Uganda. So will be the SDG shares, MTN Uganda shares, given they've been uh, issued Uganda. See, uh, the, so then the FTD is held. let's say, they Uganda. However, we are assisting all our clients. If uh, you have an account here with us, like Kenya, then they're assisting you uh, in the case of any operational process. So you won't be going directly to Uganda. That's the way the relationship we have uh, with you here. We maintain the same relationship. In, future, in future, you want to take shares, you want to, you, want, you know, queries on uh, dividends and all that. Uh, same same relationship we have been having with you here. We maintain the same thing. We are sitting on our client to the application, even during the whole treatment period. As we see, if you have done the application and have already an account there, Kenya, then we also assisting you in the processing of the same. Uh, so, on the second question, so Diane Blair and FDG are the only ones offering or giving our clients access to uh, products. And that, let got the mandate and. Kenya yeah. people to give or to help our clients, they can come through. Correct.
4: Yes. Maybe I can also jump in here. I'll start off with the, the first question regarding a the the process of a funding. As I'd explained earlier, for investors who would like to apply for the MP, MTN shares, we have uh, set out a process that is quite simple. You simply apply for the shares on the SED and essentially let us know you've done that. And we facilitate uh, the payment. We will not ask you to send money to Uganda. If you're already an SBG securities client, we will simply ask you to fund your account as you normally do in Kenya. And we have an operational mechanism for taking away the burden for you to start dealing with, with all the issues, especially, particularly pertaining to the FX conversion and sending money through a cross-border money transfer. So that's one process. However, for people who would like to invest and they are not already SBG clients or we would encourage them to become clients. However, if they would still wish to go through the full process of sending money across to Uganda, we will still assist in the process for doing that because that's um, actually in the spirit of the IPO has already been set out in the prospectus and in the offer document. So that's the response to the question on how investors get to apply and pay for the shares. So on the capital markets, or, or rather the brokers involved in this, So and, and I'll explain why it's just SBG Securities and diane Blair for now that are have been approved by the CMA. So it's actually very important to mention that, as I said earlier, this is a precedent setting moment because we have actually been able to set up a framework for Kenyan investors to participate in a cross-border IPO through a framework that has actually been recognized by the Capital Markets Authority and particularly so for their own protection because, for instance, SBG and Diane Blair already have affiliates across the border. We have gone through a process with the CMA to showcase our processes, the framework that we will follow and demonstrate and provide perhaps some comfort that there, there has been an appreciation of uh, the issues involved, particularly for Kenyans who would like to invest in a cross-border public offering. So that's really the context here. We would say this for those who are not clients of either SBG or Dan Blair, for that matter, To uh, they can get in touch with that. But if should that prove difficult, then they can do so through their current brokers, who will subsequently also figure out a way to engage us. But that's really, in a nutshell, uh, why the process has been organized in such a manner.
3: Thank you, Greg. We'll move over to Wim. I have two questions. One is ideally when an investment in a company is also ideally an investment in uh, the company's management. I'd like for you to give us a feel of your management, just an overview and what values and characteristics you you ideally look for in your top management. And a second question for you, this is from one of our listeners. he would like to know more about the MTN asset in terms of the mast and infrastructure. Since he says that he's had most of them are not owned by MTN, but sourced from third party.
2: Okay. Thanks for that. Let me start with the management team. The senior executives of MTN Uganda, we are about 15. Myself, CEO, and then CFO, marketing, sales distribution, network. I mean, all the traditional functions that build up a, a telco company. We are 15. Uh... 12 Ugandans and and three expatriates, including myself. The Ugandans have been mostly groomed internally. Uh, They've grown over the years, talent that has been groomed. There's also a lot of exposure being part of the MTN group present in 20 different countries in Africa and the Middle East. Like today, we have uh, 10 Ugandans, uh, senior managers who are expatriates in other countries of the MTN footprint on the continent. So that gives you a lot of exposure, experience. Uh, That's really the advantage, you know, being part of this big uh, yellow MTN family is that we do really nourish internal talent. It's very important for us. It's highly on our KPIs that we build up the talent from the inside and with that exposure in other countries, it, it really gives people an opportunity to grow. Like for example our CFO, I uh, was in West Africa, CFO for, in Liberia, Congo, Brazzaville, Ghana. Uh, those are not uh, necessarily easy countries. Huh? Liberia and Congo, Brazzaville uh, is not so easy to work there. So when you come back in Uganda, you're really fully vaccinated. A lot of the problems that uh, you might be you know, challenging in your home market. In terms of my view uh, as a business leader, uh, what I really appreciate in my team is Condor, uh, you know, be straightforward, tackle the problems, don't sit on them, but address them and fix them and show leadership and, and groom your team. Huh? That's very much into the DNA of MTN is the Condor and the, you know talent building is very important for us because that's the strength. The network is the network, the pricing, okay, fine. So those are certain things that can easily be copied. But the workforce and the strength of the workforce and the attitude, you know, the winning attitude and the open mind, that is not something that can just be copy-pasted easily. And so we carry it with a lot of pride uh, that systematically we are the employer of choice. In Uganda, our staff uh, likes working for us. And the love of the brand and the love of the company starts on the inside. If that is not there, if, if people, you know, my own staff, they go home and they use an Airtel line, to call or to browse the internet yeah there is a problem and the love of the brand starts internally and you can only have ambassadors uh, you know, that believe in what they do and that's why we're so happy over the last 2 weeks uh, we have 10 of our senior executives who were trailing the country, left, right, north, east, center, with passion and with determination to make this IPO a success. On the second question, can you just refresh my memories? It was about the MTN patent. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, so very right. We, in Uganda, we have a tower core model, which means that we are not building uh, the towers ourselves. Oh, It's ATC, American Tower Company, together with our local company that we've helped building up. It's called Ud. So there are two tower companies now in Uganda. They own 99% of the towers. It applies for us the same way as it also applies for Airtel and for any other telco. Almost nobody actually owns their towers anymore. You can look at it and say, yeah, the asset is gone. The towers are gone. But at the same time, uh, in terms of, for example, operational model, it is a very efficient model. Just think about it. There's one generator. There is one concrete block. There is one tower uh, and there are two or three tenants. The whole nature of infrastructure sharing allows for a very efficient operating model. You will, on the downside, you will rightfully say, yes, it's true, but uh, you lose some competitive advantage, correct? I think there are players, which I will not name, that are very re- reluctant to give up you know, their competitive advantage in terms of the coverage uh, that they have and they want to hold on to their infrastructure. But in Uganda we are quite open liberal regulator, even if we, we wouldn't want to or, or we didn't have a tower co company, we would still have to open up our infrastructure for infrastructure sharing. It's actually one of the cornerstones of the broadband policy is to share infrastructure. And, and the tower core model is infrastructure sharing at its best. Eh? Because by the virtue of the company uh, that is building the sites. Without sharing, they don't make money because there's no second tenant. So it is almost like embedded in, in the operating model of a tower code that you encourage uh, infrastructure sharing, which drives down the cost of doing business. And as I said, the, the competitive advantage that maybe was there 10 years ago when we were holding on to our infrastructure and say, we're going to block competition to also roll out in this village. Over time, that competitive advantage really you know, dilutes and, and the regulator, as I said, wouldn't have allowed it anyway. Also, in terms of the cash flow, It's a very interesting model because when we put 15% of our revenue CAPEX in the ground, that does not include these towers. Those are leases that we recognize in our accounting, but it's not part of what we consider as our CAPEX. It allows us, like this year, we have rolled out 450 new sites. If we had to do it the old way, building the towers ourselves, I don't think we would have been able to do 450 sites, maybe 200, 250 at most, but not 450. It comes with a lot of advantages from accounting, cash flow perspectives, infrastructure sharing. For us, we see much more upside to a tower core model than the downside. We have 15 more minutes maximum. They'll try to use it as much as we can. So
0: I'll go quickly to Paul and ask them. There is a question that constantly keeps uh, cropping up about evaluation. I think that some of the metrics that being uh, shown is that uh, MTN may start trading around 6X EV EBITDA and uh, the metrics in Ghana are 3.4X. Uh, can you maybe speak about why the premium valuation that comes with uh, MTN? Maybe you can give us your thoughts around valuation and also maybe talk to us about who's underwriting the IPO listing. Thanks,
1: Eric. You can appreciate I'm an insider as a transactional advisor, so... My ability to talk extensively about valuation is limited, but what I can do is highlight the facts. If you look at the adjusted EBITDA or rather the normalized EBITDA for MTN, the, actually the listing price or the listing multiple is five times, EV to EBITDA, right? And, And for everybody out there, we tend to use the multiple enterprise value to EBITDA as an appropriate valuation metric for this particular sector, because in the generally accepted practice, thought processes, this is the best way to capture both the value and the opportunity for a telco. So listing EV to EVDA multiple is actually five times, but that's before you consider the the bonus shares. So for a retail investor in Uganda that uses their MIPO platform, essentially their phones to apply. You know, they get 10 free shares every 100 for an East African, and this will be very relevant for Kenyans who apply via Easy Portal and are retail investors entitled to five free shares. So that discount needs to be borne in mind in appreciating the valuation multiple. Of course, parties to engage to give good guidance on valuation uh, and and brokers able and capable of providing that advice at a one-on-one level with investors and guidance in the thought process. But, you know, the sense generally is that it's a fair price. It's not necessarily a premium valuation, especially when you consider comparables, similar companies, not just MTN Ghana, but a couple of other telcos in sub-Saharan Africa. Back to you, Eric. About the underwriting, maybe, did you speak about it? This uh, offer is not underwritten. A couple of reasons, but I'll probably highlight the most important one. The the issuers' objectives were very clear. It's about broadening the shareholder base, right? It's not about raising capital. And sometimes the rationale for underwriting is to ensure that capital is raised because the capital either needs to be applied to a very specific uh, growth opportunity uh, and the company or is in need of uh, formal recapitalization. But in this particular case, the objectives were different. The objectives about broadening shareholder participation, focused on Ugandans and East Africans. And then consequently, there was no need for an underwriter. The issue wanted to interface directly with investors. And given that ethos, uh, the requirement for an underwriter was deep like necessary.
0: That signifies a bit of confidence uh, because usually an underwriter comes in maybe to kind of provide a backstop. We have 10 minutes. I want to give uh, Diane Bland, SPG to give us the kind of the closing statements. And then I'll come back to finish
4: off with what well, we meant, Paul. Yes, if I may go ahead. I'll just recap probably what are the critical and fundamental things to consider. We obviously want to encourage investors to actually study the IPO material. It's available online on the MTN website and we will continue also to avail that to anyone else who is interested. It's important to highlight that this is a a a, a largely electronic paperless IPO, which is actually very a, commendable. I think our capital markets have come of age. We have also con- want to also continue to encourage investors to really consider this IPO, particularly in the context of diversifying their portfolios, particularly around the equities market, which as you can understand, the issues around concentration risks. I, I think it's important for that to sort of come into play when investors are thinking about this. And of course how to manage the, the cross-border uh, investment process. And that's why we have come in to facilitate and ease in the process to make it more seamless for investors to do so. In case of any further queries, investors are free to to get in touch with us. We'll continue to engage and you'll probably see a lot of a uh, marketing material out there. But for SBG, they can obviously send us um, an email at sbgs.stammy.com. They can call us as well. All those details will be available. I think, even in the prospectus, our sister company in Uganda is the details are, are also quite available from that point of view. We will be happy to, to assist any investor who feels they need our assistance, particularly to facilitate the process. I think that's it in closing. Thanks again for listening and for the discussions
5: we've had this evening. Thanks. Dan Blair. Thank you, Eric. It has been a very fruitful discussion and that's important for the investor to understand know more about the investment they are making. And that's why we have such a platform, just for the investors to you know, speak one-on-one with the CEO. So yes, it's a, quite a very easy process. Uh, you know, the whole investment process, we are here to facilitate and guide you through the process. So in case you have any challenges, in case you need any assistance, uh, reach out to us through our website at uh, dot com, email shares at diambrian.com. Uh, we will guide you uh, on the process. Others this to help you be comfortable as you make your investment. Just to be there, use there as your guide. And uh, we believe as we have done so in so many officials even in Uganda itself, you know, the bit whom we are working together on, on these ones, we are the ones who help them at least, uh, in Uganda. So we are just there to help you uh, and make, make it as easy for you as possible. Uh, so thank you very much. I think I didn't give a brief for myself. i a, a private wealth manager at an investment bank. And uh, thank you very much, everyone, uh, for attending. Thank you, Wilson and Also, thank you, Grant. And we
0: hope to have you around also maybe in the next few weeks to explain a bit more about the process and maybe for those who missed out on today's uh, event. Bob, maybe you can give us your closing words about the IPO, your experience through the process, and maybe also tell uh, the young people out there and want to aspire to be in a profession like yours what kind of advice would you give to them so that they can also reach where you are? At the same time, maybe you can
1: tell us general advice about the IPO, Then maybe a closing words or so before I come finally to, to Wim. Thank you, Eric. First of all, there's a correction I need to make about a submission I made earlier. My friend and my colleague from Diane Blair, Uganda, Esther, just sent me an update on commissions charged for secondary trading. Actually, they range between 2.1% and 1.1%. I think the 1% really applies to quite large trades, about 6.2 million Kenya shillings. So that's really the visibility I wanted to provide. Thank you, Star. About the IPO, we obviously apply our minds as transaction advisors to the type of transactions that we want to participate in because our brand is closely associated with the transaction and when this opportunity uh, came up, we were very eager. Because we understand the profile of the company, we understand the growth prospects, and most importantly, we know what this listing is going to do. for the capital markets in Uganda. It is a step change. It is a significant move in the right direction. There are a couple of ducks that are well aligned. I think the government of Uganda is well positioned and encouraging companies to list. I think the market generally, you know, retail invested in Uganda are becoming a lot more sophisticated. And consequently, we expect that the markets will become significantly more liquid following in tandem with get And lastly, it's, it's a fantastic company. All other ways, it's corporate governance, the transparency, the strength of the brand, and, and the quality of products that it issues. So I think a great opportunity for East Africans to participate. There's good value in their bonus shares. I think we can say unequivocally, it's something that should be contributed quite seriously. The question on. <laughs> Uh, guiding uh, young people how to participate in this profession. First of all, the capital markets are an excellent place, great training, excellent brokers that have a long history in the markets and have developed a lot of talent that eventually will find themselves in the I think if you're interested in a career in this sector, stay close to the players, keep an open mind, and don't limit yourself to finance. The sector actually appreciates people with this varied backgrounds: engineers, doctors, etc. Yeah, maybe just a parting comment. This offer is open until the 22nd of November. All applications that are received before then will be considered. The allocation policy will be implemented and on a very uh, strict and rigorous basis. So please make sure that if you're intending on participating, you engage your brokers, you complete your application, and uh, you submit the payment before then. Thank you very much. Back to you, Eric.
0: All right, for the other speakers, there are also questions being posted at uh, our pinned tweet. We've also tagged you so you can try and answer them. I think there's a question there about uh, in this case of oversubscription, what would happen, and especially because of the exchange rates and all. So finally to him, when going through the holdings of the company, I noticed that it's only the chairperson who has shares in the company, said 4%. Is there an intention for maybe you or your team to also have some skin in the game in terms of buying shares, uh, maybe in the open market for yourselves? And secondly, the journey for MTN, Bit reminds me about Sapphire back in 2008 in terms of mobilization, trying to get in retail investors, and that's what you're doing. So, but also the journey also reminds me like Safaricom has become like a big player, is even in the capital markets. It's around sixty, seventy percent of market cap. And that's what you're going to be now, and uh, with that also comes a lot of responsibility. Maybe you can speak to us about your thinking around being a big player. If you're also going to maybe mobilize for some of the commissions to go down, or maybe just help also drive capital markets going forward. You can answer that and maybe give us your closing remarks and maybe make a powerful invitation for retail investors in Kenya to come join me in the journey to become an even bigger player in the markets in Uganda.
2: Okay. Uh, Thanks, Erit. That's uh, that's, uh, a lot of things to address, but let me first start by saying we're putting A lot of skin in the game, as you call it. The entire management team, uh, including myself, we are buying. There is a special also uh, employee offer. and There is a 10% cashback that the company is offering to all its employees for participating. I am putting uh, a a number of good savings in applying and and paying for shares. I'm using also my phone. I also want to get that uh, Extra bonus. My CFO is fully committed every day in applying. The top management of of the company is very committed, believe in their story. We believe in our story of growth. So, yeah, we are active applicants for, you know, also getting our share of that offer. You maybe touched also a little bit on governance. Of course, we know that our current board composition is not yet compliant with the regulations of CMA in terms of independent directors to really protect the interest of the minority shareholders. We're going to to get a few months before you know by probably within the next six months we will make sure that uh, the board is also reflective of being a listed company and what it means especially when it comes to the independence of the directors and also the composition. Very important. Gender is a very important topic. We also have to make sure both at the executive senior leadership level and at the board level that is also taken into account and gives the right diversity which again makes companies stronger if you take that into account i don't want to overdwell the comparison but yeah i mean somehow we want to use the safaricom story as a sort as some kind of a reference point it is dangerous you know to want to compare yourself with such a company i said in the beginning their size is probably five six times Uh, of what we are, it would be a bit unfair to just uh, compare apple to apple. But within the Uganda markets, when it comes to the stock exchange, within the telecom markets, within the, the transformational transaction. I think that's really the key word, and that it's a transformational transaction. We believe for the Uganda security exchange, for the Uganda capital markets, the listing of NTN, we believe that we can get you know, 50, 60, 100,000 Ugandan shareholders on board where currently uh, the biggest, broadest shareholder base, I think, is big, with maybe 12,000 or so unique shareholders. If you can go from 12,000 to to, to maybe 100,000 or sixty, seventy thousand, 70,000, once again, that would show an amazing transformation of the, the capital markets. We believe that There will be a before MTN IPO and there will be an after, just like with Safaricom, they transformed the capital markets in in, in Kenya and it was never the same again after they embarked on their IPO. So we believe that we have the same potential, maybe at a smaller scale for sure, in a different jurisdiction, yes. But we are neighbors, there are very high uh, level of similarities between our two markets. So we do believe that we have that potential to democratize and revolutionize the capital markets in in Uganda. And on that note, allow me to really say a word of thank you for allowing us on this platform. Very engaging, very interesting questions, a very lively debate. I really thank you, Eric, for allowing us to share our views and to tell our story of the growth of MTN. And I would be very happy to welcome thousands of Kenyan investors because we are one East African spirit. I think it would also be good for everybody that we can show that uh, we are one and uh, we think as East Africans. And that's why we, we also enlarged uh, the bonus shares to East African citizens. Uh, we felt that just limiting it to Ugandan citizens would, would maybe be badly perceived in the spirit of the integration that I think we all believe is a good thing. So that's another tick of the box where we really wanted to show that we want to be inclusive and we want to change the game when it comes to capital market and and participation of Ugandan, but also East African retail. So on that note, I would say I'm welcoming all of you, hopefully one day on the the AGM and looking forward to be your servant because that's what we become. You'll become our boss and then you'll hold us accountable for for the performance of the company going forward. So thank you so much and have a great evening. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Wim.
0: Thank you, Paul. And thank you for Diabla and also SBG Securities for joining us today. It's always a pleasure. Uh, thank you, co-host Eric, also for being part of the journey. We have done a, 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 a one thread, a long thread that also highlights uh, some of the key things that we picked from the IPO our prospectus. You can see it on our pinned tweet. You can just read through. It's a really good summary of well, the content. In the end, we'll also include how you can... Maybe links to Dan Blair in Kenya and also ISBG Securities who are majorly involved. We will transform this Twitter space into a podcast and then it should be available by maybe Meet to end next week. You can listen to it. If you have questions, yeah, just ask and then we'll tag the relevant people in the various uh, companies and then they can respond to them. This is a good opportunity to also say like this is one of the first IPOs that we've seen in East Africa in a while. So it's good to participate. The capital markets are a really good opportunity to actually do wealth creation uh, and just to support the local markets. It's part of our mission to definitely make sure that we democratize information and access, make it easier for retail investors to access information on capital markets. So we hope in future Wim will come with this team to share with us once they have the Q4 results out, I will be glad to host and to listen to what they have to say. And so on that note, we end for today. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Uh, Goodbye to Sebastian. Okay.